Welcome to the Pantheon Plus Rewind. What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 62 of the Rewind. What is the Rewind, you might ask? Well, it's all about Pantheon Rise of the Fallen, the upcoming MMORPG by Visionary Realms. And while we keep you up to date with the latest news, the real focus here on the show is about community and the impact that that has and continues to the community that forms around this new group-centric social MMO. So we feature community discussions wherever they occur, whether that's on social media, on forums, or really anywhere. We also highlight fan projects and we answer questions from fans and we read a little lore every now and then. So if you're new to the show or you're a regular listener, welcome. Now, Regular listeners will know that we were off last week, and while that did coincide with my holidays, it was also kind of a time for change with the Rewind. In April 2020, we started this show, and when I say we, I'm referring to myself, Minus, and Omega Contagion. And then for over a year, Minus and I have greatly enjoyed producing this show. But as they say, times change, and Minus has decided to take a step back from Pantheon Plus. So when he and I discussed this, I admit I wasn't sure if the Rewind was going to carry on. And what Minus brings to the show or brought to the show is irreplaceable. Whether that was his enthusiasm, his creativity, or his love of community, it was all a big part of what made this show work. And I look back in some of our debates and our joking around and random moments over the course of the past 61 episodes, and I can't state it more emphatically that I don't think we would be where we are today without his spark of brilliance. So to minus, because I'm sure you're listening, I want to share my sincere gratitude for building this show with me, and I wish you all the best moving forward. Well, I can't promise I won't rant about cash shops now that you're not here. I can promise that to keep a seat next to the campfire warm if you ever want to share a tale. Now, speaking moving forward, I quickly came to the realization that the Rewind must do just that. But to do that, I needed a new traveling companion. And I wanted to recruit a co-host who knew, who I knew, had a passion for not only Pantheon, but for MMOs and the community around them. Only one name kept coming to mind. And it's someone who I've come to respect in the community and whom I've had many really interesting conversations with. And coincidentally, someone who's also now part of Pantheon Plus. So let me introduce to you, everyone, my new co-host, Destrin. Welcome to the show, my friend. Oh, thank you. Hi, everyone. I'm Desrin. Um I'm super glad to be here co-hosting the Rewind with Derek. Um, some of you may already know me uh, from around the community, Discord, uh, Twitter, official forums. Maybe you've heard me call into the Pantheon Plus U, uh, as I know myself as the Caboose Caller. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> either way, uh, I wanted to kind of give a brief about me uh, for those that don't already know me. Uh, just for some context on who I am and kind of what I hope to offer to the show and Pantheon Plus in general. Uh, so first of all, uh, I want to warn you right now, I like to go pretty deep into just about any subject, uh, whether it's related <laughs> to Pantheon or not. Uh, I'm just a very curious person, person and uh, so don't be surprised if I travel down some back roads and go to some rabbit holes. Uh, I just really love learning, and a lot of that learning kind of comes from externally processing. Uh, so on that note, I would expect me to just sometimes throw things out there, just see where it sticks, and just kind of get the conversation going. Uh, I'd like to think of learning as kind of a collaborative process, and I really hope to learn uh, with all of you guys this way. Um, so on that same note, 
I am pretty open to criticism. So if you do find me misquoting, misunderstanding, or in very likely scenario, misremembering something, uh, feel free to call me out. Go ahead, tag me on Discord, shoot me a DM, whatever. I'd much rather be corrected than spread false information or just have a really crappy take on something. <laughs> um, so now that that's out of the way, uh, let me give you a little background. Um, I've had an interest in game development as a process uh, almost as far back as I was playing PC games. Uh, so before I even had my own computer, I was alpha and beta testing, you know, random stuff I could find on the internet for free. Uh, and after I got my first PC, that kind of just continued and started trying to mod, that kind of a thing. Uh, and my first run at college was actually uh, an attempt to eventually get into the video game industry. Well, that didn't work out at the time. My interest has always kind of lied in design and development of games. Uh, and I've done a lot of other things in my life, that's for sure, in between, but uh, it's really been a residual passion for over half my life, uh, at least. So I hope to bring that kind of passion to conversations surrounding Pantheon, and hopefully with some ounce of understanding as my interests do collide uh, with game development and kind of how it works and keeping up with the technologies and stuff like that. Uh, but my main goal is just to kind of move conversations forward, uh, hopefully spark some new ideas and just kind of build an awesome community that can communicate well uh, with each other. Uh, that's something I'm really big on. So, and everything on top of that is just kind of going to be having fun. <laughs> so <laughs> lastly, I want to apologize in advance. I'm probably going to bring up Vanguard. Like, <laughs> That is yeah, that is perfectly more. allowable. That is perfectly acceptable on this show to bring up Vanguard as much as you possibly can. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Yeah, it's just it's it's kind of my Achilles heel of of the game or MMORPGs in general. So it it just it's bound to happen. Uh, but yeah, that's that's the gist. I'm just super glad to be here. I can't wait to see what this becomes. And like I said, feel free to yell at me uh, on whatever platform you're comfortable with. And I look forward to getting to know all of you guys. Yeah. So without other way, shall we? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. I, I'm, I'm really, I really enjoy, uh, you know, the intro that uh, you gave there. It's uh, lots of interesting stuff. I mean, I think we're going to have a lot of Vanguard conversations because as you know, or may not know, that was one of my favorite games too. Um, you know, and just the uh, background and uh, getting into the game industry sort of from your, you know, from your educational background is, is super cool. And I think that that's comes through and everything that I've ever talked to you about, you know, you've got this really insightful, one of the things about uh, that you did that I remember the most, and I'm sure you'll know what I'm talking about is that uh, progressional um, targeting con system that oh. you had document you had laid out. Yeah. That was really amazing. And honestly, that was one of my first things with you that I thought was, I was very impressed by. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff that really gets my ticker ticking. And <laughs> a lot of times I, I, feel the need to not put that much time into things. But uh, if, if I'm passionate about a subject, you better bet I have some semblance of a design document in a notepad somewhere. <laughs> well, those, those will come in handy, I'm sure, down the road as, <laughs> as we carry on with this show. <clears throat> so anyway, yeah, no, great, great to have you. I'm, I'm super excited to work with you. And I think we're gonna I think we're gonna have a good time here. So let's mm -hmm. let's get going with the show. Let's thank the adventuring party. And again, these are people who donated during the premiere of the uh, last episode a couple weeks ago now. Um, <clears throat> so our adventuring party this week consists of annoying llama on the human monk, uh, Jadica on the archive wizard, 
the great Vendini on the Elf Druid. And I have to mention for Vendini that uh, I'm happy for him that his chosen team in the Stanley Cup Finals won. He was not a, uh, even though he's a Canuck like me, he wasn't choo- choosing for, uh, cheering for Montreal. He was cheering for Tampa Bay. So got to give him some kudos there. Uh, Jason on the Scar Beard Lord, who uh, always creates, creates his own class and creates his own way of donating. Uh, Ziplocks on the Dark Mirror Rogue. Sparrow on the Dwarf Ranger and Bounty Coat on the Human Wizard. So always thank you everybody who supports our show. We are more than grateful. And whether that's during the premiere or even just liking, subscribing in the channel is another way of support of supporting us. It, it fuels the fires for us. And it also allows us to give back to the community. And again, we've got another one going this week. That's what we're going to do. We had a community member reach out to me last week and offer up a legat pledge so that is what we're going to be doing today we're going to be doing a giveaway as we've done before um i would normally thank them profusely by name at this point but they wished to stay anonymous and just wanted it credited to the plus guild so i'm going to do that and i'm going to say very much thank you to the anonymous donor of this pledge um so to do this you got to be here for the premiere on youtube and you just get in the chat hit the uh do at theric t-h-e-r-e-k with that uh, play button emoji from YouTube and uh, you will be entered into the, uh, your name will be thrown into the hat for the draw at the end of the show. And uh, when we get to that part of the show, I'll be sure to announce it so that everybody knows that we're about to uh, draw for the name. But, um, and then afterwards I'll get in touch and uh, we'll get that pledge your way. So good luck to whoever uh, chooses to enter the draw today and uh, get that pledge. But it's a long intro. Does, are you ready to get down to business here? Absolutely. We've got so much today. It's going to be great. Right on. Let's do it. This week in Visionary Realms News and Notes. Okay, so VR News and Notes. And by the way, we got some new bumpers in today that I am hoping everybody likes. I didn't spend some time getting those put together over the course of the last week or so. Um, so for VR news and notes, we're going to touch on a couple things. Like I said, it's been a couple weeks since the last show and, uh, Desert, as we go through, there's just a uh, comment on anything that uh, you noticed because there are a few things. First, we had the producer's letter come, uh, release on June 29th of 2021. So this year, obviously, uh, it was an overview of both the state of the company of VR and some game development news. And while it was focused on the monk and it was focused on uh, that was the area that it was talking the most about, there were some sort of beans that were dropped in this thing. And I don't know if you noticed them, but one of them was the um, wizard arcane abilities no longer strip runes from other schools of magic. And including in the wizard is a new spell line for the wizards. So that's interesting. So, yeah. So, Des, did you notice that? Was that something that stood out to you? Yeah, I, I think it just kind of goes with VR continuing to iterate on their classes as, as new stuff comes online, as new feedback comes in, uh, you know, from the testers and, and internally, I'm sure. Uh, they are, they're going to keep working on those classes until they're wonderful. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure Wizards will rejoice on that one. Yeah, I'm sure Wizards are going to rejoice because the thing about that is that if you've watched um, our playthrough at Fortress Dubai Air, when I did my video explaining the wizard skills, you note that <clears throat> when you use a certain focus line, so whether it's fire, cold, or arcane, you're building up, um, you're building up runes, or you're building up um, focus uh, ability in that specific line. And then when you switch to a new line, so if I'm casting fire spells, I'm gathering fire focus. But then when I switch to a cold line, 
it all that fire focus goes away and now I'm gathering cold focus. So what this is saying is that duh, when you switch, it no longer strips those other focus areas, which is kind of a big change and something that's very interesting. And I think wizards, so I know Drac listens to this show. He's our wizard, our resident wizard <laughs> expert. And so he's probably very excited for this. Um, mm -hmm. Another little piece was the Shaman Vision Combat resource has been fully imp implemented and functional uh, with UI art to go with it. So that's pretty cool. That's the, uh, the um, uh, remember in the streams, does they've showed like the icon beside on the UI that fills up as the Shaman yeah. is is casting their spells. So that's pretty mm -hmm. cool. And and it's been in uh, in progress for a while. Like the, it's been kind of that maybe back burner thing that is always like, yeah, it's it's not in yet, you know. So right. they finally put it in. It's right. Awesome. Yeah, and it's good to see those sort of come to the surface, right? They they say it and they 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 do it, right? So Yeah. They did not forget. <laughs> they did not forget, right. The Direlord's Thresh bleed effect now scales based on target's health, and the Direlord's yeah. Sanguine Blade now gives re more uh, returns more health the lower your health is when used. So another cool ability we've seen a lot of the Direlord mm. in some of their dev streams. So I think people can sort of they have something to attach to this change, right? So it's kind oh, of cool. Oh, yeah. And lastly, they updated the UI art for the Rogue's Opportunity. So just a cosmetic change on the UI. Um, but again, we'll be interested to see what that looks like. We've seen the Rogue in, in uh, their demonstrated gameplay stuff. So mm -hmm. something, again, we can, we can sort of sink our teeth into and see what that change looks like. So some cool stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> One of the other things is, uh, as always with these developer uh, streams and producer letters, they usually give us some screenshots, some concept art, which we did get with this one. And you'll notice if you're watching this on YouTube, the uh, video running in the background, I've included some of those so you can see them. Um, it was, uh, yeah, it's some. I think the Wild's End is the concept art that they showed, uh, which is cool because they also said they're working on Wild's End um, as part of their current focus of development working on the the area of wild's end so a little concept art to go with that the um the monk developer stream <clears throat> was on july 1st and it showcased the gameplay and uh, skills of the class now so desert this was a this was a really well received stream and i know people had lots of comments on it what were your thoughts just some quick thoughts takeaways from the monk stream <laughs> yeah honestly i thought this was huge this represented uh, another like really big step forward in their ability system to me and uh yeah without doing a full breakdown which man i would i would love to do um <laughs> they really showed off how far they have come in their ability system uh and while i'm not a monk main or anything gosh those abilities just look so cool and my brain was just going nuts trying to think of you know combos and and how to make things work and i think chat was the same everyone was just trying to like oh how can we make this work and that's that's the kind of stuff that just really really hypes you up man so without going fully into each ability and everything it was it was awesome it was another like home run as far as the dev streams they've been doing really good lately yeah, I agree with you 100%. I, I think this was one of those ones that I think we should go back. We'll probably do a future episode where we just read some of the comments from the YouTube, from the stream, because I think a lot of people really liked what they saw. And you you know, you know, talked about it. You mentioned it a minute ago about we are going back and iterating on classes. One of the questions that was said or one of the comments was made during the stream was like, okay, the monk is super cool. Are you going to go back and change other classes to sort of bring the other classes up to how cool this is, right? So, and they, you know, they they... 
the smart answer there, obviously, and that's what we heard is that, you know, at some point we have to put a pin in it and say a class is done is done, right? We can't always be iterating. But when you see something like the monk and the high, you know, the high skill cap, the high skill level and the, the sort of this, the intelligence needed to play this class, you kind of look at the other classes like, huh, neat. Mm-hmm. You know, you see the potential for that. So, yeah, the word I kept using was uh, technical. It seemed like a technical class. And I could think of several people that it's just right up their alley. So, yeah, awesome. I can think of, yeah, same here. Same here for sure. Lots of people, lots of people like those technical classes and um, sort of a good fit for a lot of people's play style. And then the last thing we had this uh, last couple of weeks was the VIP roundtable with uh, quality assurance lead Kim Morrison and tester Mark Marigolino. Hopefully I'm saying that right. Um, This came out on July 2nd for the public. And uh, actually, Drac from uh, Pantheon Plus did a write-up, which I've linked in the uh, description to the video if you want to go through and don't have time to watch or listen to the entire uh, interview with Kelson. Um, you can go through and read the uh, 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 text transcript of the interview that Drac did. And um, I picked out one thing in here because I think this desert, I think this kind of helps, you know, relates to our, <laughs> our mm-hmm. backgrounds. So one Mm -hmm. of the questions was asked, um, can you as a QA tester confirm if code is good or bad? And if so, how does that feel compared to other games you've you've QA tested? And, um, you know, Kim's response was, I think I can tell when the code is bad. Even gamers can tell when games have bad coding. And Pantheon seems very stable and runs amazing. And then Mark kind of said, the coding that Pantheon has is out of this world. He said, I tested Vanguard and I saw many issues with it. And I don't see those problems with Pantheon. So that Vanguard connection, right? And he goes on to actually say it again for the next question. Talked about games he's tested in the past. He said, I did a lot of alpha and betas and he worked with the devs in Vanguard. So you and I both know quite well that Vanguard was kind of, Vanguard was kind of a mess, right? Oh, it was janky. Yeah, janky. 100%. I was one of those lucky folks, and I've said this before, that I didn't have a huge amount of problems myself with it. I just built a new system at the time. So I was kind of like, whatever system I built probably happened to be luckily enough the one that they were testing it on or they were doing <laughs> development on because it worked fine for me, but there were definitely problems. But the fact that Mark has his background working on Vanguard, and I think Joppa does this too, if I'm not mistaken, don't quote me on that, but mm-hmm. they've seen these problems before and they know what to look for. So that's pretty reassuring, wouldn't you, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I actually thought this was a really like, you know, no, no disrespect, but a really cute question. Um, (laughs) you know for for someone to ask like uh but it is applicable because uh you know good qa at least has some understanding of how the systems actually work rather than just you know how it plays and i i I know like both of them have that understanding and being the internal like qa team basically uh it's really encouraging that they are confident in that and that they can make these kind of comparisons and know what was good and what was bad in the past so they they can see an escalation there and this actually made me think uh, if you remember jason wyman Mm -hmm. uh, who uh, helped out on the project in the past um he got started in his career uh on vanguard basically trying to clean it up uh and so he has a lot of really good thoughts on that as well uh he has a youtube channel if anyone's like interested in uh, Unity game dev, that kind of stuff, but he has a lot of really good stories, and and that lines up with uh, what uh, what Mark was saying here. Mm-hmm. So I, I I think they're a hundred percent honest here, and I love their confidence. Yeah, that's a great that's a great bring up. Yeah, Jason was definitely a, a somebody who uh, you know garnered a lot of respect in the uh, 
programming development kind of community from what I read. I'm somebody who's very knowledgeable and, and did a lot of good work for this game. So great bring up there. Um, so yeah, so you can go back and like I said, read the full uh, transcript of the interview with the, the QA uh, folks and over on Pantheon.plus, that's where it's posted. I've also got a link, like I said. Um, yeah, so that's a summary of the VR news. Now let's talk about some Twitter questions over the past couple of weeks because there was a couple of good ones. Um, mm. <laughs> so uh, we'll start with the community debate. And the question here uh, does is, uh, after creating a new character, do you use whatever weapon or spells you can get your hands on? Or do you hunt for your ideal weapon spell setup right from level one? So we uh, let's let's dive in and see what Twitter had to think had to say about this. Um, first up was Nafel, who is a member of VR. So I love that he responded to their own uh, their own community debate question. Very cool. Yeah, and I think we can I think we know sort of what to expect from Nafel being the crafting guru. He said, "I mean, it's probably obvious, but for me, I just need that starter weapon, a couple of gathering tools, and a little time." Shortly after, there's not only great gear for me, but for everyone else too. So if you have this problem, if you do not want your starting gear, go be by Nafel. <laughs> go hang around him. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, because he's he's gathering materials to make better stuff right off the hop. Um, our pal Breakout said, definitely getting all the weapons I can. Also, I will keep one of every weapon type so I can skill up those skills if the game allows. Okay. Very... Um, very EverQuest, right? Very EverQuest yeah. response, as you know. You very know. completionist, too. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I relate to that. <laughs> I can, too. Like, very much, like, prepared for the future. You like, you know, like, what if I find an awesome club? You know, it might, might mm-hmm. not be my favorite weapon, but at least now I've got the skills. I can I can wield it effectively. So I like that pro- that approach. It's sort of the Boy Scout approach to, <laughs> to this question. <laughs> yeah. The next one's from uh, Zach Hansen, who goes by at Quest on Twitter. And uh, I'll mention him a little later in the show because there's something cool with him too. So anyway, he said, I'll use a stick or my bare fists if I must. Although I would prefer a sort of awesomeness for my main, if I can't transfer an item or two, it's not a huge deal. So yeah, just sort of giving what the game takes you, right? Um, Got to start somewhere. <laughs> the next one was from uh, MMO Games at MMO Games. So uh, they uh, have a great site with lots of interesting articles. You should go check it out. Um, they said, I take whatever I can get my hands on. It's often part of the RPG that I enjoy most for that zero to hero feeling. I enjoy having an excuse for the for using novel, but ineffective weapons or spells before getting too fixated on the most effective. So I like that too. The zero to hero is a good way of putting it. I, yeah. I like that approach. That's my like RPG default position is start as a zero, work to hero. <laughs> That's right. Earn it too. Earn it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The next one's from generic NPC name on Twitter, which is a pretty good name. name. Yeah, me too. (laughs) It says, it depends on what my class and or specialization is limited to. Some games limit you to a specific weapon, type, and spell list with no variation. And I prefer to set myself up with my own style. But if I can't, well, then I just can't. It's an interesting question. And it's going to be something we're going to talk about in the mailbox section a little bit. But like, Mm. you know, how, how limited is your class's weapon, um, you know, use. Like some classes just can't equip certain weapons as a, you know, as a, I don't know, um, ranger, I probably can't equip a two-handed sword. Or maybe I can, you know, it depends on the game design. <laughs> so yeah. the next one's kind of related to that. It, and it's a good bring up with the monk class that we talked about in the recent focus on the monk. It's from Nemufe. And they said, just one word, weapons, 
spells and then they had a picture of the monk staring at you <laughs> <laughs> i kind of think this is why i don't play monks does and let me know what you think but could like i don't play monks because i want weapons and and like armor you know like part of the enjoyment of an mmo is getting weapons and armor and i feel like monks with their martial skills just sort of being like fists and kicks and all that kind of stuff i, I respect They're natural them. minimalists right they're minimalists and I don't want to be a minimalist in an MMO. <laughs> you want to be like walking around with the like 500 pound shoulder plates of awesomeness and right. a sword that's bigger than your, no. <laughs> yeah. Little, but, little final yeah, fantasy. Official, <laughs> yeah. Official Pantheon did, you know, respond to this reminding Nemifei that there are fist wraps and knuckles for the monk. So exactly. Yeah. Good point. Yeah, exactly. I, you, sometimes you forget about nunchucks. You forget about like, both staffs and i do obviously you know when you talk about armor maybe it's like a belt or something you just can't see it necessarily right so yeah. the next actually, one actually uh, on that note uh i do remember even back in uh one of my heyday games uh eq2 uh, a lot of the favorite um appearance stuff was actually monk equipment um because it was all very casual and flowy and nice and stuff so i i could see both ways the minimalist uh, mm -hmm. nice looking clothing, but also the crazy looking armor and stuff. So I respect it. Sure. Sure. Yeah. No, I mean, a good robe is a good robe, right? Like yeah. I respect a good robe. Maybe that's a monk thing. The next one's from uh, Ryan Nye. And they said, uh, with RP heavy games, I tend to try and collect the weapon type I want to use right away. So if I imagine my character with a gigantic greatsword, then that's what I seek out immediately. I really like this one. And because it includes the RP perspective. And I think for our peers, appearance is everything right <laughs> so you want i mean i'm not at yeah. a heavy rp so maybe i'm speaking out of turn but like i think when you have a vision for your character like ryan says that's what you're seeking out is something that matches that appearance vision wise you know yeah and and for the record i i am a pretty heavy rp or i have been in the in the past and so i i do relate to this uh but i also want to embrace a type of rp that uh works with the game in you can play off of what the game gives you as well. I mm -hmm. think uh, and let that be part of your story. That's but a good point. That, that's a bit of an aside. <laughs> no, 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 that's a good point. I like that sort of adding that layer on top of it, right? It's sort of like not, not necessarily having that look you want right away. Seeking it out is part of the fun. Yeah, part of your story. Part of your story, that's right. So the next one's from uh, Mackenzo. And they said, personally, I would love to be able to have an opening quest chain to forge a weapon of your choice and test out different types prior to that choice. So kind of cool, like starting out, like, you know, making this part of the game design, like starting you out on the path to a weapon that you see yourself with as being like incorporated into the game. Now, there's the other side of the coin is like, no, you know, I want to I want to just open world <laughs> sandboxy kind of thing where I find something randomly on a, you know, an orc that I killed that I like. So yeah because the, the the norm you know nowadays is an intro quest that absolutely yeah. like forces you almost into yeah. what is typical for your your class so i i could see the other side of that in, in that like well you know why why are we always doing that mm -hmm. yeah i agree and it is seems to be the more common approach to things these days but um mm -hmm. you know something to be said for it and the next two uh uh Twitter parts or Twitter responses are actually diametrically opposed pieces. So I included them. And the first one's from mm -hmm. Rykoth. 
And they say, I'll use whatever I can get, but I love games that allow characters to look visually, appeal visually appealing from day one and unique to what kind of character they are. One of the things I love about ESO is the armor comes in racial versus and cultural styles as opposed to, you know, WoW's early armor, which they don't like. <laughs> and then Carl Powell responded to that. He said, I'm the opposite. I prefer characters to look quirky at the start. Only when you get the best gear will you look like you have the best gear. Mm. interesting right interesting yeah. back and forth what do you think about that i'm sorry i'm i'm with carl on this <laughs> i i have such fond memories of the the ramshackle crazy color combinations as like a, a certain status symbol of you know what i'm a noob and mm -hmm. <laughs> and I, i'm on the up and up but i'm, I'm a noob right now yeah. so i I'm with him on this. I but I also uh, wouldn't want to suppress uh, Ryakoth's uh, stance either. Mm -hmm. um, I'm definitely going to be embracing the Carl stance. <laughs> yeah. Are you Team Carl or Team Ryakoth on this one? Because I, <laughs> I think you're Team Carl. I think I'm in the same team with you actually. And, and and we've had this discussion on past shows about the importance of, you know, being able to visual customization. And uh, no, I'm not. You know, I'm not starting a whole transmog thing here. But the the idea being that, you know, looking quirky and and the quest for good-looking gear is a thing is a, is it is an important thing and i like the quest for good-looking gear um when you when you make it a little too easy to look good right off the hop yeah <laughs> don't think i don't think i like that as much i prefer to i prefer to you know make that part of my progression is how i look you know progression yeah. as your appearance so the, the first episode huh Theric? you're <laughs> <laughs> i know already minus is looking down on us and... <laughs> <laughs> so true so true I, I promised myself i wouldn't start on a transmog debate without him but he's not here so i gotta you know i gotta push my push my opinion on the well we we might have some fun conversations in the future then i agree let's just at that then yeah yeah let's, <laughs> let's put a pin in that and come back to that down the road at some point so anyway, so good one. Do you have anything anything else on this? I think we've sort of said our piece. I'm I'm definitely the type of person who I like progression, and that means both in terms of utility and look. So I want to I want to I'll use my starting weapon, and I'll do my adventures. I'll do what you know is fun for me in game, and as I do that, hopefully I'm gaining um, better stuff that I either like the look of or like the the use for. So. Yeah, and and I definitely err on the side of the sandbox approach. I think uh, I I would rather, you know, start the game as my class and get a feel for all sorts of different things, and then you know maybe even seek out a specific NPC or quest mm -hmm. uh, that offers the weapon that I want after I've you know gotten acclimated. Right. So that that's kind of my side of it. I think. Nice, nice. Okay, so let's move on to the next question. And this is one of those one-word questions that, that VR does sometimes, which always makes me laugh because nobody abides by it. But for this part, I only chose the one-word answer. So if you are not following the rules, you do not get a shout-out on the show. <laughs> the question is, tell us how much of Pantheon do you think you should be able to solo? And there were 145 responses to this, which is pretty funny. Yeah. Right? The first one is from Kevin O, goes by at Gazebo Thief on Twitter. His one word was stragglers, 
which I mm-hmm. thought was pretty cool because, you know, and I don't know what it conjures up for you, but for me in my mind, I see like the African savanna, you know, and like a leopard chasing down a wildebeest and like it can't <laughs> alone, it can't take down a, a full grown one. It's got to find that straggler. It's got to find the weak, the wounded, the young one. So as a solo player, maybe that's kind of the approach you want to take, right? That's really good. I Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. got nothing that- that's great. So if like there's a bunch of orcs, you know, running around in a certain area and one of them happens to be like a sickly orc, maybe that's the one you can solo. Right. That's yeah. the, the classic is the orc runt. The orc <laughs> runt. Exactly. Exactly. Remember the orc highway and you'd pick off the runts on the way. That's right. Mm-hmm. The next one was from Sean Holden. Their one word response was questing. So he's saying like, you know, make everything. If you want to be able to solo something, um, if it's involved in a quest chain, you know, that's. The, the, the approach and i think that's not uncommon you know with a lot of uh, sort of game design these days yeah uh, this is this is going to be one of the, the polarizing answers i think because uh i i don't think all of them should be soloable no uh, i don't either especially if the reward eventual reward or whatever it may be is you know worth uh getting a group to to achieve um I agree. If, if stuff is soloable through questing and gives you good enough rewards it's just a way to disincentivize people to take that route exclusively yeah but there's there's it's a lot more complex than that of course, i agree but yeah, yeah. no yeah you do want to you don't want to just you know make it the make it the preferred route necessarily the next yeah. one's from ang s and they had a good response and they, their response was just necromancer so <laughs> oh yeah is it this has got to be uh a, a summoner main that is eagerly awaiting the necromancer to be like official right i, I know it. i know because a lot of them are they just gravitate because they like soloing and and it's bound to happen that a class or some classes are going to be better at it Agreed. And, and this is a good example yeah the next one is from Deuterino, and they said discovery and the way i sort of interpret that one word response is like you should have to discover what can and can't be soloed. Like the idea of trying mobs to see if they can be soloed or not. Because a lot of games you see in a lot of MMOs, you see clear depictions whether something's intended to be a solo mob or a group mob, right? Whether that's like the ring around their icon or something about their name when you when you target them. It, it tells you right, right away, like this mob is intended for groups. I don't like that. And I think that's what Deuterino is kind of saying here is like, don't make it clear whether something's soloable. Make me have to try it out. Yeah, yeah. I, and I like that approach. It's kind of funny you mentioned that that kind of like sem, uh, pseudo design doc from back however long ago that was that I wrote up because that was a huge factor in me considering how the con system could evolve was that not it wouldn't give you know much information at first, but mechanically would allow you to have that path of discovery. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm all about that. And I love that that's what you pulled from this response too. Yeah, yeah. The next two are kind of funny. They're sort of related. It's from Dan Scholes and from Breakout again, we mentioned earlier. So Dan said smidgen and Breakout said microscopic. <laughs> so very much, very much not on the uh, not on the side of making things soloable, sticking with group content being the being the primary uh, world world content, I guess. Yeah, which is a, co- a common theme in the community. I do wonder how many people uh, going through these these uh, one word response uh, questions or prompts have like a thesaurus just like <laughs> hanging out 
tap next to them, you know? Probably. Like, I don't to someone else. Here. <laughs> yeah, no, probably a few. I mean, if anybody's, this is, like I said this before, this is a smart community. They know how to do this, right? <laughs> Get your tools of the trade. The next one is actually the opposite of what Dan and Breakout were saying. This is from Paul Trabosh, and he said all. So he's like saying everything in the game should be soloable. And obviously, with the people that are interested in Pantheon, this is going to generate some some responses. And they're definitely where Basgrim, I think, responded to him saying, why making everything soloable as sort of led MMOs to a, <clears throat> you know, a bit of a different uh, different place and not not the greatest place necessarily, but... His, his response to that was extra, sort of expanding on saying, you know, I want everything to scale so that I can do it myself or I can do it with a group. So, yeah, it's an interesting thing. I don't think anybody is sort of arguing for everything to be soloable. Maybe uh, the majority aren't at least. But um, I was interested. To, I was I was intrigued by seeing somebody say all. So, you know what this kind of comes down to for me, though, is and it, Paul, if you're listening, man, Feel free to yell at me, uh, you know, at, at Desmond does on on Twitter. And like, now, go ahead. And now that minus isn't here, you need somebody for your outlet. So Des, <laughs> you can take you can take the heat. I'll, I'll stick with my. Do I have an adversary already? I mean, no, <laughs> uh, just kidding. But, uh, to me, I, I saw this and immediately thought like obvious troll is obvious. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> yeah. Just, I kind of who, thought that too, but maybe just like it tries to trigger people. Maybe that's not the case. So if, if that's not the case, I'm sorry, Paul, for assuming that. But uh, <laughs> me, I'm like, if you really want to set people off in this community, there there's some some stances you can have. Definitely. That's yeah, that's <laughs> definitely true. That's 100% true. The next one uh, from Michael, he said inefficiently, which is it was pretty close to, I think, what VR's approach with this is going to be is saying that. You know, there is going to be content that can be soloed by some classes, but it's, you know, it's going to be hard to do and it's going to be inefficient. You know, it's not going to be the best way of going about some things. So interesting response there. Jared Woodhouse, the next one said entrances. What I take from that is like make stuff that's hanging around outside dungeons, maybe soloable so people can like sit there while they're trying to get a group. Maybe they can just pick off a few things. I kind of like that from a design perspective. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like we've seen that in other games too. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's something that might be familiar to a lot of people, and I, I think that's a semi like decent approach. But I, I think on the other side, you could consider, you know, who's going to guard their castle with the worst, you know, <laughs> right? Yeah, like, man, in charge of that. It's a good but, point. But good game, I understand. Yeah, that's a really good point. I never, I hadn't thought about that. But uh, yeah, from an immersion standpoint, from a realism standpoint, it might not be the most realistic, but that's. Uh, <laughs> You know, sometimes you got to make sacrifices. Yeah. The next one's uh, from Bonsai Badger. Bonsai Badger, another great name on Twitter, and they just said crafting. So I'm, I'm, what I'm taking from that is like, um, if it's something that's involved in uh, any, like crafting should be the solo activity. He's looking at content from like crafting it, everything you kill, everything you're out adventuring, doing combat. That's all group content. The only solo um, aspect of the game will be crafting. And it's an argument I've made in the past where I do think crafting serves a purpose of giving people something to do when groups aren't available. So Minus mm-hmm. and I have debated that back and forth, but uh, it is but, a good, it's a good point. But will crafting be solo? Ooh. Mm. Well, <laughs> there's, a, there's another Vanguard link for us, right? And talk about group crafting <laughs> and the importance oh, yeah. of that. So. And I, I'm I'm looking at Nafel like eh, I'm not saying you shouldn't be able to do any crafting by yourself, but I, I 
think there might be something going something on there. there. Something there. And then the last one was from uh, Madaki, the uh, emotional support ogre. <laughs> support ogre, also VR. And he just said, depends. Um, so, yeah, you know, it depends on the circumstances, depends on the class, the player, the area of the world. I don't know. So I guess that's uh, sort of leaves it, leaves it wide open. Yeah. Anything I like else? that because it kind of distills, I think, what a lot of Pantheon is, which is you need to evaluate what is in front of you and respond appropriately right? Uh, instead of just expect to always have an easy go. And so while that's not exactly what he said, to me, I really liked the answer just because it was a little little clever and, and mm-hmm. kind of described the project. But, but yeah, yeah no, that's, that's about it for me. Good. I'm not going to add, add any one words to that. No, I'm not either. I think the one word, the best one words were taken. So I'm going to, I'm going to leave it at that. And uh, yeah, so that's, uh, that's it for VR news and notes. When the Pantheon community speaks, we listen. So let's dig into the forums and fan projects to see what the discussion is all about. All right. So uh, since it was Independence Day in the U.S. uh, last Sunday, wanted to snag a pretty relevant and lighthearted post that came upon the forums by user Stonefish, uh, just asking, will there be things that we can craft or steal or purchase that go boom? <laughs> um, and I notice in general, most folks seem to gen- like just overall like the idea of clickies in Pantheon uh, and have pretty fond memories of them from other games. Uh, but uh, there were a few responses that may incite uh, some ideas that I thought were kind of fun. Uh, and one of those was uh, Counterflesh uh, or Counterflesha. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the person mispronouncing <laughs> names now. Uh, I'm going to adopt that. <laughs> <laughs> I've all, yeah, I've, I've read his responses before and I've always said Counterflesh, but I don't really know. I, that was, that's always been my guess. But names, man, you'll, you'll learn. Names are not as easy as they sound in your head sometimes i've i'm usually good at it in real life after working in <laughs> coffee for a while but uh but game names Ooh. anyway yeah. uh, so counterflesh uh says i'd like to see fireworks that can uh we can use for social events and as a signaling flare uh imagine if the community decided that a red firework or flare meant distress a group in trouble could fire one off and if another group is nearby and sees it they could go assist Sure, shouting in zone chat works too, but a firework is more interesting, dramatic, and also helps others find you. And he says it would make, uh, it would also make uh, for a fun item to craft. So different resources would be required to make them different colors. I think some games have done that. Uh, and hopefully there are a lot of multicolor options. He says fireworks could even be enchanted, so they display an image or symbol like a deity or faction allegiance or etc. Wow. Yeah, very cool idea. Yeah, a lot of people are responding to that. Um, and I'll read one more uh, response here uh, from Faded Emperor, and he says, uh, "Personally, I would love to see things that go boom, both in a cosmetic sense and in a combat sense. Not only could this provide crafters with additional ways to make money, but it could add ways to approach combat strategically. Um, overall, there's just a lot of." like great responses to this thread as more people are kind of adding to it and uh, definitely encourage anyone uh, that wants to kind of like throw their thoughts in there go ahead contribute uh, link should be in the description um, but 
Yeah, clickies, Derek. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, clickies. Very cool. I mean, those are those are some good examples. I had never thought of, you know, the use of like fireworks or, or some sort of explosives as signals in an MMO as sort of sort of like using it as part of your strategy. Um, I really enjoy that idea. And uh, I think there's something there. It's um, because, you know, you're using like a, a cosmetic and not a cosmetic. I am not the right word, but like a, a fun yeah. item for a serious purpose. Right. And that kind of intrigues me. Mm -hmm. And and I think what he brings up that is kind of bigger picture is just like community kind of collectively deciding things, which just emergent, you know, it just happens sometimes in these games. And I love that people are just in that mindset of like, you know, what kind of emergent gameplay can we create off of fairly simple mechanics, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like you that. used the word I was going to use there. You used the emergent uh, gameplay word. And um, that's exactly right. You know, like... The, so you have to, you know, when you're talking about emergent gameplay, and in my experience is that it has to meet some sort of need, right? So if you're going to create things like clickies in the game um, that do something, it has to meet some need that's not met otherwise or is being done less efficiently. So like, for example, if I need to, if, if sending up a red firework tells somebody in the zone that um, a mob has spawned, you know, like a named mob has spawned. Maybe that's the sort of universally accepted signal, you know, as I, I can't be able to just sort of like shout it, right? I can't just be able to like zone shout, um, you know, X has spawned, whatever. I think it's, I think there's something interesting there about uh, as an emergent gameplay tool uh, from communication standpoint, but maybe it's more than just even communication, you know, maybe it's like, um, I don't know. I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but emergent well, gameplay is hard to nail down sometimes because that's the nature of it. It just emerges naturally. Right. You can't you can't force it. You just kind of have to like lay out options and hope people pick them up. Right. Uh, but what I was thinking of was uh, like kind of status symbols and like achievements and stuff like that. You know, I think in games I've played in the past. Uh, you know, there's nothing like being in a group, hanging out, maybe waiting for your last person to arrive, and and everyone's shooting off like the the anniversary fireworks, and <laughs> you know some people have the like two year anniversary firework, and then someone's got the five year anniversary firework, and then someone's got like the ten year anniversary <laughs> firework, and you're like, wow, you're ancient, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. like, you've been around for a long time, and there's that kind of like cool feeling. And I know they're talking about crafted fireworks, but uh, as far as like clickies go. Um, I've always just liked the idea of getting things that are semi-unique and uh, recognizable uh, that you can just kind of like have fun with that, you know, have an effect or don't have an effect that just kind of adds some flavor. And I think the fireworks idea is really just kind of a part of that. It's like, let's take something that is, you know, fairly mundane and, and just like throw it in there because players might turn it into something fun. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, and I'm going to I'm going to just, you know, use you have in the notes here, but like the, the Lord of the Rings online when we were playing that recently, um, you know, Stands and Fire is, is a longtime Lord, Lord of the Rings online player. And um, he has all the fireworks, like you said, the anniversary <laughs> ones. And the one that he showed us right on our first night of playing where it's like the dragon and it's actually a recreation of this scene from 
the from the movies with that firework that goes off and the dragon flies in and it's just a fireworks dragon on so cool so cool cool. i i was like okay okay this game is all right that was that was was a big part of that it's just very memorable and nostalgic yeah and you know like you said it's a status symbol i think that's i think that's important too and i and i i think these kinds of clickies have a bad reputation maybe attached to them because they're in my mind at least they've got an association with like a uh cash shop or with an association with some sort of like um not status but like i'm a cosmetic cosmetics are what's most important to me and it's just about the looks right so i think that they do have that sort of negative connotation sometimes but i also think that it can be done in a way that it doesn't doesn't feed that negative aspect of it so absolutely yeah good one yeah good topic man (laughs) Yeah. And lastly, I just kind of wanted to give a quick shout out uh, as we go through all these you know, topics that we pull from around the net. Um, just anyone listening, uh, make sure to get yourself involved. Uh, if you are new to Pantheon, go ahead and introduce yourself on the forums uh, or our Discord or uh, just get connected somehow. Uh, a lot of times we like to, you know, shout out people that are new to the community on the show. It's really fun and uh, we love just kind of making those connections. And if you are maybe fan fiction fan art fan music anything like that feel free to share it with us mm-hmm. uh we we just love pulling from every you know socket of the community that we can and uh it, it just makes those connections really special to just get involved so yeah. absolutely good. yeah you know and, and i should I, I was going to mention in the intro and i did a little bit i said uh, one of the twitter responses from quest you've been watching if you're watching on youtube you've been seeing in the background fan artwork um, rotating as a slideshow and that's one of the things that you and I does had talked about earlier in the week is like using taking this fan art and putting it at the forefront so I reached out to Crow Singer who your some of the artwork is from her I reached out to Quest to use that piece from him and uh, Kiparo as well is another person who I reached out to, and they all said they love to have this their artwork shown off during our show you know as part of the YouTube video that's playing in the background so that's super exciting to me and I'm like just over the moon that we can continue to do this, that we might be able to create an hour, you know, long video. Now, obviously it's looping at this point because I don't have enough to fill an entire, however long the show ends up being. But at some point we might, you know, collect enough fan art that people want to show off to create an hour and a half or whatever it is long video. That's super exciting to me. And so if you are a fan and you of Pantheon, you have some artwork you want to share, you want us to feature, seriously, like like you said, does tag us discord twitter whatever reach out and we'll 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 feature it it's um it's a very cool new thing that i that i want to i really want to promote so thank you for mentioning that and uh are you uh you're good you ready to move on to our to our mailbox oh yeah here here's it's just gonna get juicier guys this is gonna be great mail on a sunday that's right let's check the mailbox Okay, so again, new bumper. I like making bumpers just like mine is did, and I couldn't, uh, we can't keep the singing in there. So, new bumper. I hope you like that one. Um, so, with our mailbox, let's, we had four questions this week, and I think we've got time for them all. So, let's start with Rildren. They had a question that said, I'm a couple steps away from compete, uh, completing the Rogue Epic 1.0 on Thornhold, which is a server, EverQuest server. 
Um, I'm curious as to Therix and Desrin's uh, thoughts on epic weapons. Not so much best in slot, but maybe a signature weapon for the class. So good mm. question, Des. What do you think? What's your, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, man. There, I think there's kind of two schools to, well, there's more than two schools of thought, but <laughs> in my head, I'm, I'm fighting over these two things. One is the quest that is so long and so involved that it, it feels like a huge blocker to anyone that isn't playing really hardcore. Um, and then on the other side, it's always a massive goal. If that kind of item exists, even as he said, even if it's not best in slot, it's it's part of your character's identity and i think a lot of people gravitate towards that i i pretty sure vr knows knows this and i i am expecting to have some kind of uh epic or signature weapons for our class um for me personally though i uh it's not a big thing for me i i'm not really sure why though i uh i've I did my epics in uh, EQ2 on uh, three characters, hmm. and uh, there was just something about it that always kind of made me feel like, well, this is kind of just going to get replaced later, and I'm, it's just going to sit in my bank or something. So, mm -hmm. I don't know. I've got some, some baggage with that, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. And, you know, as, as you and I, as both longtime MMO players, we definitely do acquire that kind of, you know, baggage from, from certain things. You know, and, and then for me on this question, um, I do think, like you said, signature weapons go a long way in terms of they, they give players long-term goals. I enjoy chasing long-term goals. I like having a really long uh, goal light at the end of the tunnel that I'm climbing towards. However, here's the downside that I think when it comes to signature weapons, you know, you tend to get, assuming there's like a one, it's a one weapon type. So that sort of predefines like what that, person's build or what their vision of their character is it's, it's similar to what we talked about at the beginning you know for example if if uh Rilden preferred to play a rogue that didn't use the the type of weapon that is their epic weapon so whether it's a dagger or whatever that's a problem maybe you know like that limits them a little bit in terms of how they can sort of craft their character so mm -hmm. maybe they use short swords maybe that's their choice is like a rogue that uses short swords um i know for me as a ranger you know the bow is the the iconic weapon and i've been lucky that's usually the signature <laughs> weapon for most rangers in, in games <laughs> guild wars <laughs> yeah. 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 No. oh don't get me started on guild wars is ridiculous <laughs> legendary weapons those the oh my gosh yeah that's a long conversation anyway yeah um yeah. i know certain weapons are iconic and and whatever it is the signature weapon you know i'd like to see them have several forms so you can choose when you get to that weapon what its form is so maybe you don't have to doesn't have to be a dagger you can select the short sword version of it or the long sword version of it or something your class can use i just don't want to you know trap people into chasing a goal that they're not exactly cool about you know keen on does that make sense yeah that's a great point to bring up, because uh, in Pantheon, the idea is that we will be able to somewhat shape our characters. I mean, within the class, of course, but uh, I, I could see a lot of potential variation and in, in saying, this is your epic. Um, it could be really like discouraging if it doesn't align with that person's play style. Mm -hmm. Not to mention, uh, while you're talking, I thought, what if like the epic quest is actually really good, like really engaging and, and interesting? 
and a person's just going to like, you know, go through that, can enjoy the quest maybe, but just knowing that at the end is something they won't use. It, it It's right. a bit of uh, wind, wind out of the sails. So I like the idea of multiple options. I would like the idea even more if like near the end of the quest, uh, you get a little bit of branching uh, so that uh, you get the weapon that suits your character's style. That would be cool. That's a great way of doing it. Yeah. What if the quest to, to, to get it, you know, at the, the final stage is now you have to help the blacksmith or maybe now you have to help the the, the woodworker or, you know, something like that to, to sort of give it some embedded in the world a little more, right? It's a really good idea. Cool. Yeah. The next, great question. Yeah, great question for sure. And the next one's a good one too. This is a fun one. Um, this comes from Shoddy. And they said, do you enjoy comical or cheeky NPCs or situations in MMOs? And if so, what is the one that sticks with you? Would you want to see something like that effect in Pantheon? So um, yeah, I'll start with this one. Um, yeah. I saw the response in Discord to this question. Actually, it was pretty good because somebody mentioned um, Harrison Jones from World of Warcraft, right? And all the content that was associated with him is, is being sort of a funny nod to classic movies, obviously, you know, a, a reference to both Star Wars and Indiana Jones there. Um, and from playing Hearthstone, I know that feeling. I know that feeling that they're talking about because it, it is pretty funny when you play that card and you hear that line, you know, this belongs in a museum, right? You know, I, 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 in the Harrison Ford sort of voice uh, actor's style, I think that was really cool. It, it always made me laugh. Having said that, um, I think it's important that the comedy or like these those kinds of cheeky moments stay in the context of the world. So like the Harrison Jones thing is definitely a little bit fourth wall breaking. Um, if I was really into WoW lore, like I am into Pantheons, I might not appreciate it and I might not be so receptive to it. it I think it really depends on how um, how important the lore is to you. And there's room for lighthearted stuff. Absolutely. Um, but I don't want them to break that fourth wall. I want them to keep it in world. What, what do you say does? Oh, I'm, I'm glad you went first. Uh, cause I was a little uneasy cause I, I know a lot of people have, you know, great connections with NPCs and, and quests that do this. Uh, but I'll admit I'm actually pretty against this. Uh, hmm. uh, it's, it's one of the things I'm, I'm, I'm fairly passionate about. In, in a negative sense, because to me, the more you have to rely on external factors in your writing and less on the world, you know, the context that you're actually in, it, it just kind of strikes me as almost lazy. It's, mm -hmm. it's like we can get a, a really cheap laugh, a, a cheap connection with a player to have that, oh, uh, I know the reference that they're doing there. Um, and it might be more, uh, enjoyable to a lot of people. I'm totally willing to accept that, but in playing world of Warcraft, I feel like I was just running into that all the time, Yeah. Uh, especially as the, the game went on so much so that it just, it made me feel like I just couldn't take stuff seriously. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, there's going to be quests and especially like the quest naming is always kind of cheeky. Yeah. Uh, yeah. and I, I, I really don't want to see a lot of that. I, I really want to see a game that pulls from itself to make things funny, pulls from itself to make things interesting and engaging and to cause those connections to characters without relying on 
you know, external, uh, 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 what's the word? Uh, social like references, pop culture references. Pop culture. There we go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I agree with yeah. you. And, and I think if I, if you forced me to choose say, you know, yes or no, hundred percent, I'd come down on that side too. And, you know, just for me as a lore, you know, aficionado and lover of lore, it's, it's tough to, you know, you like, you're right. hundred percent. You, it is a like slippery slope and it is tends mm -hmm. to be one of those things that I find in games. They do like to, once you start, they just do more of it. Right. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it gets easy and it becomes sort of a crutch. Um, and especially, like you said, quests named quests are very susceptible to this where they sort of like, they give it that tongue in cheek kind of name. And it's, you know, again, it's not the worst thing in my mind, but if, as long as it's within the world, I, I can kind of let it go. And I, I would boil it down to that is if like this game is supposed to pull you into its world, that's a huge kind of, uh, pinnacle of Pantheon is is that this is a world that is supposed to draw us in, and so like why would you kind of negate that by 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 constantly pulling in you know pop culture references? So, totally, yeah. Good you, point. Guys, feel free to call us, you know, buzzkills you know <laughs> in the comments or or you know shoot me hate mail or whatever. But uh, I, I I'm pretty solid on this, but maybe you could convince me otherwise. <laughs> no, you know, man, strong opinions are a good thing on this show. Strong opinions are a good thing. So why don't, why don't you read the next one? All right. All right. So this comes from Zoo. <laughs> Very, I love one, one uh, syllable names, by the way, just throwing <laughs> that out there. Um, it says, should VR deliberately place mobs and packs in places around dungeons and caves with meta breaking abilities or sets of abilities and AI that can be readily countered if a group has the right loadout, but will pose a serious threat if the group wants to play to cookie cutter. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Do you want to start with this one? I, sure. I, I think I need a second here. That's... You need a second. Okay, well, that's good. Because I've got, I've, I really like this question. This was something that I spent some time thinking about. Because what they're asking, and this is a creative solution, and I always complain that people like to... I complain about people complaining, which is weird to say, <laughs> but I complain when people come up with issues, but they don't offer solutions to the problems, right? <clears throat> and I do think this is a creative solution to a problem that is perceived, probably real. Um, and it's an attempt at fighting back or countering meta builds and group makeup. The caveat though with this solution is that it means developers have to really be dynamically adjusting content in the world to account for whatever the meta currently is. So like if we think about Pantheon, you know, think about what he's asking, what Zoo is asking here. Um, maybe the meta is um, having an enchanter, always having an enchanter group, no matter what. So there's lots of enchanters because there's a demand for them. People are making enchanters and that enchanter build includes, you know, a caster interrupt in their limited action set. So this is the meta. So what Zoo is suggesting is that to break that, VR puts melee mobs with dispositions or traits that cause them to target enchanters more readily in those areas, you know, outside of a dungeon, like they're saying, or a cave. Very cool idea. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see something like this in Pantheon. But again, it's a tall order because it means you're dynamically aware. The devs are very much like keeping it in touch with what the meta is um, to do this kind of stuff. You're not, you know, not talking about like making wholesale changes to like dungeon content. This is one of those like small changes that could maybe just keep people on their toes. And I'm sure people will respond to what I'm saying here like, oh, you know, then we'll just do this. Then we'll just do that. Well, that's the whole idea though, right? 
causing players to change their behavior to keep from the meta building and becoming you know a thing although some might argue it's inevitable um, i think maybe just throwing one or two mobs into the situation like zoo is suggesting here is a really creative solution if the resources are there for vr to do it but long answer does what do you think does that give you a chance to sort of reflect on this a little oh, oh yeah i i think uh the spirit of this question is essentially the disposition system to me yeah uh, is what the disposition system is supposed to kind of do you know, automatically from what it seems their ability to spawn variations of uh of creatures their spawner logic seems to line up with doing this fairly automatically um i wouldn't be against seeing this uh done in a bespoke manner every once in a while like going through a dungeon that's mostly kobolds and you know suddenly you've got uh a ravine that you have to cross it's a bunch of spiders that have completely different abilities that you know chew through your armor or something like that that would have been good against kobolds like as far as dungeon design this makes sense but i think essentially the disposition system is supposed to solve this and i'm kind of throwing back to madaki's one word uh answer <laughs> of just ends uh and so it, if there is a cookie cutter as in uh when i think of that i think of e easiest way to get from point a to point b that, that it's just the le the least amount of effort for mm -hmm. the most amount of gain and these wrenches uh to th shake that up i think can help reduce the idea of a meta but essentially i'm just saying that pantheon seems to be setting itself up where it almost shouldn't need to do that manually Mm -hmm. so it's a great point uh, absolutely I, yeah they're they're sort of baking this idea into their traits and disposition system um as something to as a as a way of uh of dealing with this so you're you're absolutely right about that there's no doubt that that's the thinking um at least part of the thinking behind their uh their focus on building traits and dispositions in mobs so one more question why don't you why don't you read the last one as well all right, and this comes from good old Crypt Fox, uh, Twitch streamer. Uh, he asked, is aggro operating on a meter? Uh, like, it fills up over time, and to taunt someone off, uh, you have to attack and fill it up to pull aggro, with taunts being a bulk percent of that meter that gets filled. Uh, if so, would we be able to get an aggro bar added to the group UI, like a thin white line that fills up as people gain aggro? Um, I just quick take on this. Uh, mm -hmm. A lot of games, you know, do this with UI add-ons. Uh, some games have this built in. Um, I'm actually for this. Uh, a simple, uh, yeah, I, I am. Because as they've shown off recently with their AI progress, I don't think aggro is going to be the whole story. So seeing the aggro in a group is helpful in a way that gives you a general idea of how things are going without actually spoiling it and so that you can just kind of watch that bar and just know that you're safe yeah. Um, yeah. so that's that's why i'm yeah slightly for this idea hmm. um, having said that i actually don't really know how aggro works right now yeah. so I'm, I'm eager to see how they flesh that out honestly 
Yeah, you know, and that's funny you should say that because my first thing I wrote down in my notes here is I think nobody but VR really knows the details about how this is going to work. Um, and it, it, this would actually be a great question for a, um, for a VIP, a VIP roundtable at some point. Um, it's just, I think in our minds, the default, we, we think about, we think in terms of meters, um, we think about building up over a, through a percentage of damage done, um, you know, and I want to say VR commented on this a little while ago. I can't specify when or where it was or what context it was, but there might be some information out there to, to sort of give some insight on this. Now, the question of whether it should be shown in UI is definitely more subjective. If we're just asking, what would you prefer? I prefer not to have that information shown to me. I don't need that in my UI. Um, I like to play by feel rather than seeing. And I know that there's a vocal my you know groups on both sides with this. Um, and you you know yourself as well. Like you said, you're in you're in favor of this a little bit. Um, so it's for me. I, I like to hide the numbers. I like to keep things behind the scenes. Um, whenever I just think of like an agrometer building, I think of like, um, I don't know, I, like JRPGs necessarily that I played single player mm-hmm. JRPGs do this a lot, you know, where you can actually see the agrometer building, and you know, you know, when, uh, that mob's going to go to one of your other party members. Anyway, um, you know, quick take as well. I don't really want to see that, but, um, I'd be interested to hear more from VR about, you know, sort of the mechanics behind it. Just don't necessarily show it in game, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can respect that kind of adventurous outlook as well of just the mystery of it. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you get to know your team, get to know if they know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, so I, I can see the fun in that. I don't have a strong position on this, but, uh, but yeah, just basically eh, I think it would be fine to see. So yeah. Yeah. Great. Great questions. Definitely, yeah. So if you have questions for the show, there's the Join the Pantheon Plus Discord channel, and we've got a Rewind Questions channel where you can put your questions in, and uh, that'll wrap up the mailbox for this week. Okay, so that is the show for this week. That is episode 62, our premiere episode with my new co-host, Des, and I thank you so much for, first of all, agreeing to do this. <laughs> it's kind of a crazy thing and um it's kind of a time commitment but i have to say i, I feel like uh, we had a great show today and i i uh, knew that i would enjoy talking to you and i was not disappointed i was not wrong about that um i want to uh acknowledge as well everybody who uh, is here for the premiere and is listening and again reminder that you can also download this show via spotify via itunes um, there's a couple other podcast platforms in there. Anyway, all the links are in the video description. And, um, if you, uh, if you enjoy this show, you know, leave a rating on whatever podcast provider you utilize, uh, like subscribe, thumbs up, all that stuff on YouTube, you know, the game and, uh, Des, uh, thanks. We will, uh, we'll see you next week, man. Yeah. See you all next week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Pantheon Plus Rewind. Pantheon Plus is not affiliated with Visionary Realms. Be sure to check out our Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube channels under the name Pantheon Plus. You can follow Theric at Pantheon Theric on Twitter, and Desrin at Desrin Does also on Twitter. And you can stay up to date with all things Pantheon at www.pantheon.plus. Until next time, cheers, and thanks for listening.